Welcome to Are We Pretty, a podcast dedicated to highlighting all things drag. I'm Annalie Duchesne. And this is Miami Rose. Whether you're a fan of drag or a full-time entertainer, this is the podcast for you. Each episode is cram-packed with drag news, exclusive interviews, and a weekly topic that'll leave you gagging for more. This week, we chat with the belle of Bill Street, Bella Duvall, and we review the fourth episode of RuPaul's Drag Race season 14. So get ready to get into it. This is... Oh, it's for Oh my God. Hi. Hey, girl. How you doing? I am doing great. I'm doing amazing. It's been an amazing week. I've had a great time. How have you been? I've been doing really good. Um, I'm actually very excited to chit chat for a second because I feel like I definitely had a very exciting Friday. Um, I got to go to Drew's and do a live watch party of the episode of RuPaul's Drag Race with with a couple of the Memphis queens. It was very fun. Um, And then I headed my way to Atomic and y'all put on a fierce fucking show. It was so good. Thank you. How was watching the show like live at a bar? I've yet to do that. Okay, I have to say... um, It's definitely very interesting because I have always watched the show either by myself or like with a very small group of friends. And we know that there's no talking happening during during the moment. But like at a bar, there has to be a little bit of banter that happens every now and then, Um, because otherwise it's just three queens or three performers on the stage just looking at a screen. Um, so it was interesting to kind of navigate that. But honestly, it was it was very, very fun. We got to uh, during the commercial breaks, we had like trivia moments and giving away little prizes. And it was cute. It was a cute gig. Oh, that sounds so fun. Oh, I wish I would have went. But, you know, I'm booked west and busy, so uh, <sighs> right. I, I couldn't attend. If anyone else is interested, though, Ariella Da Vinci, um, Da Vinci. <laughs> Not Ariella da Vinci. Yeah, Ariella Da Vinci, Ariella Da Vinci, uh, the Native Supreme is the host of the watch parties at Drew's every Friday. So check her out. Go if you want. It'll be fun. No, I don't think you understand. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Speaking of obsessed, I feel like we should jump straight into this episode. This was a fucking doozy of an episode. Such a fun challenge. This is the segment we like to call the RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14 Review! 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 We love it. So... Like we said, this is the fourth episode and the girls come into the workroom and the vibe is like, oh my God, we just sent home the first bitch. It's getting real. What did you think about uh, the, the girls reacting to this moment? Did you think it was warranted to be like, oh my God, like we're sending bitches home now? Well, for sure, because, you know, they thought that they sent them home the first two episodes and then they brought them back. And like, I imagine now it feels very real because they're not coming back. I will say too, I was living for the whole uh, <laughs> Jasmine Kennedy is a talking villain 
and we hate her moment that they were that they were giving us. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a little bit strange because I'm like, okay, girls, let's let's remember we're on a TV show. They want us to talk, and I'm sure they were prompting everyone to say things. It felt a little bit uh, a little bit produced, but then it pulled me right back into the realness of it all when they cut to cornbread and she was just fucking like real pissed. Like she wasn't like TV show mad. She was in real life angry at this bitch for talking. And I was like, oh, this, this shit is real. She's going to actually choke her to death. I think maybe the girls are all getting along so much that they might be having to reach for straws with this, <laughs> this type of argument. Cause they all seem like they're very friendly towards each other, especially online. I'm seeing a lot of the girls like show a lot of love and support, which I really appreciate. Jasmine posted on Twitter and was like, hey, y'all, everyone just know all love to Cornbread. And people in the comments were like, I just find it disgusting that Cornbread was coming for you when you might have this or you might have this going on, like trying to diagnose her with like, like an, like, I don't know. It was just like too much. I'm like, girls, can we just fucking breathe and let the girls do it? Like, just let them be on TV. Anyway, so RuPaul comes into the workroom and uh, tells the girls that they are going to be doing an acting challenge. What are your thoughts on doing acting challenges? Do you enjoy an acting challenge moment? I love the acting challenges, um, but I feel like if I were going to do an acting challenge, I would be really excited to do it. I'm not saying that I would do well, but I would be excited to like try my best to to do acting and to make it funny. I really, really like this challenge. I think like playing on the idea of like a trailer tease kind of thing is so smart for RuPaul's Drag Race because they love to be self-referential. Um, and it was such a good challenge. I thought it was really good. I loved it. I love both of them. And I don't think that anyone was necessarily terrible. Like I think everyone yeah. had their had their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, performances that we saw. Let's start with Team Willow. What did you think about this team in general? And were there anyone that really stood out, whether it be good or bad? I thought the team was really good. I know that there were some, um, you know, fears behind having Jasmine and Cornbread in the same, you know, team, but they played, like, I thought it was really smart to play up that problem that they were having with Jasmine and like, let's make a moment where you're talking a bunch and we're all telling you to shut up, bitch. Um, And then, oh my gosh, Willow Pill was so funny. So funny. I liked Willow Pill the most from this team for sure, but everyone did really good. It was a strong team. Yeah, I agree. I think Willow, honestly, I honestly thought she was going to win again. Like, yeah, I did too. all spoilers ahead, I really thought she was going to get it twice. Same. Um, but yeah, this team was really good. They, they were very solid. Let's talk about the other team, Team Maddie Morphosis. First of all, how did you feel about Maddie being the team leader coming off of that, that lip sync? Were you excited to see Maddie in like a leading position? Yeah, I was interested to see her in a leading position. And also, I'm glad that they did that too. Like here, let's give the top person a moment and also the person who like landed in the bottom. Let's give them a little bit of a, like an opportunity to potentially have an upper hand. You know, I I always love seeing who they're going to choose and who they don't choose. I thought Maddie had some interesting choices. Uh, Also, I know it's annoying to like play, to continue to play up on the fact that Maddie's straight, but it was interesting to hear the way in which she asked someone to come on to, to be her team because she'd be like, Angeria. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it was just yeah, get into it. <laughs> and uh you know like rupaul said it's just it's interesting to see someone kind of not have that ow kind of thing about them but whatever right. it works i i, I it, maddie's very endearing and i like her and my favorite part of this entire team moment was diabetes saying i'm straight too <laughs> like that was so funny to me and just her so makeup funny. was crazy she looked yeah. crazy she was giving very much crystal method down um <laughs> i thought it was so funny it was so good uh this this team was definitely good was there any clunkers in the team this one was very chaotic like it was wild their video was crazy and it started off a little too chaotic but if it eventually found its way it all made sense it was good i did think it was interesting though because maddie wasn't really in it that much like i didn't i don't really remember a lot of lines she did have that thing at the very end where she was crying and she's like i don't want to be here anymore which was very good but she wasn't really in it you know i think the team overall did a really good job yeah um I think both teams did a really good job, honestly. And I, when watching it, I was like, I don't know which team is better. Was honestly. there a stand a standout for you for Team Two for Team Maddie? Like I said, I think Diabetti was like a sneaker hit for me. Like she kind of like snuck in and had that those little moments where I was like, oh, she's super funny, and she wasn't getting a lot. But sometimes in Drag Race, less is more. So for yeah. me, she was really hitting it hitting it home for me. Yeah. Um, I, but like I said, I thought they were all really solid and really strong. It was hard for me to pinpoint who was going to win because of how strong everyone was across the board. Yeah, Deja, Deja and Angiri were also very good in that one. Not that I'm yeah, they were, they were they were very very good. Very good. They were very good. <laughs> I love when she said, "This is not RuPaul's Southern hospitality base." Right, or when she was like, "When I was younger, I couldn't walk." <laughs> she was a baby. I'm so yes. stupid. Well, so let's talk about stupid. the runway. We've talked yeah. about the challenge. We obviously very much enjoyed this challenge. Annalie and I are yeah. both actresses. We're comedians. Yes. We enjoy this vibe. And then the runway was like a 180 because we went from doing like really funny moments to doing J-Lo. What did you think of this J-Lo moment? And would this be a runway you would want to do? I was obsessed when I heard that it was Night of a Thousand J-Lo's. And actually, I was a little bit nervous that we were gonna get like similar outfits, but everyone had a different outfit. Like no one copied each other or, or not copied each other, but like copied a JLo look. Um, I actually would be nervous for this one because I don't um, necessarily uh, identify with being like a glamorous type of person or like, a, you know, like a yeah. glamor queen. Um, but I would be very excited to like try and meet the challenge of a JLo look. But honestly, everyone looked good. Everyone looked good. Just some yeah. looked better than others. I, I agree with that. Um, let's go ahead and do the dooms and blooms. First up to the stage, we have Miss Willow Pill, who is doing a classic JLo look um, in a blue, like rhinestone dress. I fucking loved this look it is a bloom if i've ever bloomed this is a bloom she's blooming yeah, this is a bloom this is a bloom for me she's giving like baby doll not so innocent j-lo down loved the look thought it was very very cute um very glam for willow very very, very glam 
And she said uh, to RuPaul that she felt like it was just a tad bit ugly. I disagree. I don't think it was ugly at all. I think it was gorgeous. So this is a yeah. bloom for me. Next up to the stage, we had Cornbread the Snack Jate. Uh, giving a, I don't know this look. I don't know this reference of JLo, but it's fucking fierce. Um, what did you think about this look? I thought this was a complete bloom. Loved the look. The only downside to me for this look was the hair. I think that the root was just a little bit too, uh, two tones. Like the root could have been just a little bit lighter and it would have been better for me. Or maybe the blonde could have been a little bit darker. Maybe not do a blonde, mm. maybe just one solid color. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I think the wig was throwing it off a little bit for me, but the dress was gorgeous. I loved the outfit. I thought it was very well done, and she looked great. It, it fit her right. She worked it down the runway, and she looked very confident. So, it's a bloom. Yeah, I'm gonna bloom this as well, and I agree with what you said about the wig. Um, immediately, my eye went to the wig, and I was like, I don't like this. Um, but it, but also in the reference, JLo's hair was very like slicked back like that. Um, but yeah, was the color overall, the same in, in the reference? Was it this, was it this color? Because if it is, I can't block her for referencing correctly. But um, I don't think it was. I don't think I'm this not, was the exact hair. Yeah, I don't think so either, but it was definitely slicked down like that. But overall, it's a bloom, but uh, I, I didn't like the wig. Next up, we had Lady Camden. Um, who was um, giving us, uh, obviously, a JLo reference. Uh, this very cute top um, with like a, it, it was kind of sporty. It gave me a little sporty spice look. Um, I love the train that is on her pants and I love this hair. It, she looked really good. It's a bloom. Yeah, this is a bloom for me. I really don't have any complaints with it. I, here's the thing. I really like Lady Camden. I think that she's yeah. low-key serving looks on the runway. So yeah. I appreciate this look. I think she looks great. It's a bloom for me. Next up to the stage, we have Moscow. Moscow. And she was giving a like red carpet gold dress glam moment from J-Lo. And Bosco looked so fucking delicious. This looks amazing. I am blooming this. Yeah, she looked great. And you know, sometimes I feel like this fabric can read a little cheap. I don't yeah. think it read cheap on the runway. I think it looked no. expensive. It looked couture. I loved the makeup. I thought it was very unique, very Bosco. Overall, this is a blip for me. It was great. Surprise. Uh, speaking of surprises, this next look was zero surprises. Uh, Carrie Colby looked fucking amazing. And she was wearing the classic green uh, moment that JLo is known for. And Carrie, uh, apparently this was the original dress that JLo was wearing, which is, yeah, which is wild. Um, this is a 100% bloom as well. Yeah, it's a bloom. When in doubt, wear the original reference. Um, she looked amazing, and I am Incredible. so jealous that she has the access to do this, to do this kind of drag. Look gorge. Yeah. Speaking of gorge, next up we have Miss George, us, who is giving us, I think this was something that JLo wore, like, I think it was a Super Bowl look, but it is like a bodysuit that has like little mirror-y type of uh, sequiny type of things on it. George's looked very fucking amazing. It's a bloom. Yeah, this is a bloom for me. Um, I think that the outfit is a tad bit basic. Oh. And I'm surprised <laughs> that they didn't say anything about it. Cause it, I mean, it's just a cat suit. 
Um, oh. And we've seen we've seen Georges in a cat suit on the runway before. And I think yeah. the last time she wore a cat suit, it was fucking sick. This was a little bit less of a moment, but still a moment in itself. And she looks amazing. It's definitely a bloom. I have to give her yeah. credit for looking gorge every time we see her on the runway. Gorge W. Bush, as Michelle keeps referencing. Next up to the stage, we have Miss the Mouth of the South, Miss Jasmine Kennedy, um, oh. who was who was wearing this uh, pink sequiny dress that ombres out into white. I think this dress, like this JLo reference is very, very beautiful, very glamorous. I love the hair that she has on. Uh, Jasmine Kennedy looks absolutely stunning. It is a bloom. Yeah, this is a bloom. I have no complaints. I love the ombre moment. It was so pretty. And if she did this herself, like, cause she says she creates a lot of her outfits. I think she said, I don't remember the exact uh, percentage of outfits that she makes versus what she buys, but I'm assuming that she made this outfit. If she didn't, someone correct me. But yeah. uh, whoever made the outfit, oh my God, y'all did that. It's so gorgeous. I love it. And the uh, accuracy to the reference was so good. I was like, oh my God, this looks couture. This is amazing. So. Yeah. Good for you, bitch. I love this outfit. It's a bloom. It kind of gives me the fish from Shark Tales. Yes, bitch. Not the <laughs> fish from Shark Tales, bitch. I'm sorry. Uh, sharks, who is next? Yes, speaking of sharks, next up we have Ms. Maddie Morphosis, who was giving us this um, uh, this white moment that J-Lo uh, has done. Apparently, Maddie was supposed to have another look that I really wish she would have been able to do. I don't know why she wasn't able to do it, but she was going to do a look from one of JLo's movies called The Cell, which honestly is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Either way, um, I wish she would have worn that one though, because honestly that look was fucking everything. If y'all have not seen Maddie's uh, social media, go now, right now, pause this podcast, go find Maddie and look at her look. Um, but this look, um, I'm gonna let you go first. What do you think? I honestly really like this look. Now, at first I was a little worried because we've seen some of Maddie's looks on the runway previously, and I don't necessarily think they had the impact that some of the other contestants have had. I think she's been swallowed a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that happened on this runway. I think she looked really good. I think it yeah. looked it looks like a JLo look. It referenced correctly. I think she worked it. And I think overall she did a good job. But overall, I think this is a bloom. And Maddie, if you're listening, you should have wore the other outfit. <laughs> maybe I, maybe there was like an issue with, cause it, it wouldn't be JLo, it would be the cell. So maybe there was like something there with like rights and I don't really know. And also they um, only have a few weeks to get these outfits together. And it could have also been a production problem because sure. Maddie is, she said it herself, she doesn't create most of her, well, she creates some, but she doesn't create all of her outfits. She had a lot of things made for the show. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things don't work out, things fall through. We all have been through it. So, um, you know, sometimes you gotta make things work and I'm sure that's what she did. And, and I commend her for doing that and for still having an outfit in the first place, you know? Having yeah. a backup is always a good idea. And I think that her backup allowed her to be safe in the in the challenge. Do you think that she would have placed higher had she had that original outfit? Do you think it would have put her in the top potentially? Um, I think she would have been higher in the safe moment because also the challenge is obviously really important. And not that, she, again, she no one did bad and I don't think Maddie did bad, but 
for whatever reason, maybe she wasn't giving what they were looking for for this trailer tease, but she wasn't really featured in it that much. So, um, yeah. you know, I don't I don't think it would have necessarily made her in the top, but I think it would have really solidified like, OK, this bitch knows what she's doing and she still knows what she's doing. I'm going to give this look a 100 percent bloom. I think, though, the note that Manny needs to take is because she obviously performs really well. She is very funny. She's very campy. She's great. But maybe where she just needs to practice a little bit more um, is like delivering a fierce runway, like walking and performing. And I think but maybe directing some of that confidence that she has in an acting challenge yeah. would really help with that. Like maybe inject a little bit more. And she did that on the ball challenge. She During that one runway where she was like really trying to serve a character on the runway. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that worked in her favor. I think she should do that more. If she's not confident in walking and, and serving the look, I think maybe she should play on characters a little bit more. Overall, Maddie, we love you. And I know this is all pre-filmed, so none of this can be uh, applied. But, <laughs> but, but Maybe for All-Stars. You're going All-Stars. Exactly. Right. Yes. Speaking of All-Stars, who's next? Okay, next up to the stage, we have Miss Deja Sky, who is giving us an... Uh, where some of the other queens um, kind of gave like a direct reference. Deja took the reference but then kind of changed up the the color scheme a little bit but deja looks very 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 good i will say i don't know if i like the blue fabric that much um but she looks excellent and i will give this a bloom yeah this is a bloom for me and i actually think she did the look better than the reference did I think oh. the color version of it was cuter. I really like this. This is a bloom for me. And shout out to Deja. She looks so good. And she did a great job in the challenge. Overall, I think this was a very strong week for her. Yeah, she's another one to watch out for the runway. She's been she's been turning out some looks. And she makes all of it. Like, yeah. gag. I love how we spent like 12 hours talking about Maddie and like five seconds talking about Deja. Um, next up to the stage. She's our sister. We... It's not our fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next to the stage, we have Miss Daya Betty, who is giving us this uh, uh, JLo moment. It's very rocker, very chic, very fun. I will say the pink fabric took me out of like the elegance of the look because it looked a little cheap to me. But when she tore that pink skirt part away, I was here for the reveal. She looked fucking excellent. And this is a bloom. Yeah, I agree. I think that this was a bloom. Diabetes did such a good job. Love this look. I think it's amazing. I think she looks great. I really don't have any criticism for it. I think she looks gorgeous. She always looks great. She knows how to work her drag into yeah. every challenge. And I appreciate that. I want this outfit. I want Speaking it. of wanting things, who's next? <clears throat> next up, we have uh, Angeria Paris Van Michaels Dupree Rose Duchesne Duval. And this look is everything. This is a moment. Um, it's so good. It's so good. That's all I can say. It's good. It's a bloom. Yeah, she looks like a chain mail chandelier. So pretty from head to toe. I love the look. It makes sense. It's giving J-Lo. And yeah. I think overall, it was one of the most successful looks on the runway. It's a bloom. It is a bloom. I agree with you. It was it was excellent. Then next up, we had Miss Alyssa Hunter from Puerto Rico. And she came out with this um, kind of like a pantsuit situation. 
Uh, she was throwing dollar bills around with a dollar gun. Honestly, I love this look and I loved when she took the jacket off and we saw that embellished, what, what do we call this? A corset? Yeah. yeah. This little corset embellished moment. Yeah. Super cute. Loved the look. I thought it was very successful. I think had she known she was going to be in the bottom, I don't think she would have did the reveal on the runway. I think she would have saved it for the lip sync. Ah, um, sure. It's, you know, when you get on Drag Race, sometimes you have to you have to weigh what you should do at what moment. Because, I mean, it is TV. And these moments could mean the difference between you being saved and you going home. I think if it was me, I would have saved the reveal. But also, I don't think she necessarily thought she was going to be in the bottom because of her look. I thought the look was great. I thought it was really fucking strong. It's a, it's a bloom for me. Yeah, it's a bloom. Next up, we had Miss Orion's story. Um, this look was also really, really good. I will say there is something about the makeup that I'm really not vibing with, but overall, the look, the dress, it is beautiful. It is a bloom. I love this color. I love this color. Yeah, it's sometimes the thing about Drag Race is I think of some of the girls who are like makeup artists and they really pop off with the time they're given. And then you see someone like Orion who has great outfits and the makeup isn't there and they had the same amount of time. Like, it's mm. just like, it's it's kind of wild to see the difference between what someone who's really good at makeup can do in those in that amount of time versus someone who, you know, maybe isn't the best. And I think she definitely needs to work on, work on the mug. Um, I think overall from head to toe, the look was very cute. And I think that's what saved her and put her in a safe spot. Cause in the challenge, I don't necessarily think that she was uh, mm. a standout moment. She kind of like sure. blended into the background. I was a little shook that she didn't end up in the bottom. Like I was kind of shook, um, but I get it. And I think that overall the runway was really, really successful. So it's a bloom on the runway. I don't think we doomed anyone. They're clearly listening to us and taking in everything that we're saying and applying it for the runways. Yeah, you're like the Carson Kressley. And I'm, uh, I'm Michelle. Uh, what did you think? Of, I don't think we've talked about Rue's looks. What did you think about Rue? Oh did... my God. RuPaul looked so good. What the fuck? Yeah. She looked so good. Michelle was like Xanadu realness. I was like, bitch, she is giving like ethereal goddess. Like yeah. you look next level. I loved the little headband moment. Like mm -hmm. so cute, so fierce. The little off the shoulder, the little drapey blue. Oh my God. I'm gagged. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, who was your top top bloom? I think my top bloom for the runway has to be Angeria. I think I think she did the best. I think she had the best look overall. I think she I think she did a really good job. And obviously the judges loved her because she ended up winning the episode. Yeah. She better work. What about you? I to me it would be between um willow and angeria but i think angeria edged edged it out for me and yeah angeria would be my top bloom yeah but but challenge wise i actually think willow willow had it yeah i i think willow did a really good job in the challenge and i think she should definitely be proud of herself 
for what she did this episode. I will say, and I think by looking at social media, people will agree with this statement. I was shocked when Alyssa was sent home. That's not to say that I don't think Carrie doesn't deserve to be there or that she shouldn't have, you know, she shouldn't have this opportunity to keep going forward. But just based off of the lip sync itself, I thought Alyssa had it. Yeah, I agree. I think that basically the the sword in the heart was the money gun not working. And you could tell uh, that when that happened, it really threw her off and she was fumbling to make a moment happen. And sometimes yeah. less is more on Drag Race. We know this. We know that's what they like to do. Yeah, I, I definitely think that in the end, I actually agree with the judges. I, I think that Carrie deserves to stay just because mm -hmm. she held her composure a little bit more than Alyssa towards the end and it kind of like swayed in Carrie's favor in the pat like the last 15 seconds of of the lip sync so yeah um good for her and uh I but I really do feel sorry for Alyssa I know she really wanted to be there and I think I think her going home she really blamed her language barrier and <sighs> that it just I hate to see girls really struggle with that because I I felt like she did a good job and she's a beautiful queen so um, everyone that's listening, go show her some love on her socials and let her know that she's loved and appreciated. We love our Puerto Rican queens and we love them so much on Drag Race. We love to see the representation. So shout out to Alyssa. I'm excited to see what else happens in this season and I, I can't wait to see what the girls do. I feel like it's going to be a very exciting season from start to finish. And this episode, honestly, they just keep getting better and better. Like this was a really <laughs> tough challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. So shout out to World of Wonder. You're doing it, girl. Keep doing it. Speaking <laughs> you have of wonder, this is the end of the, the this is the end of the, uh, <laughs> this is the end of this segment. Speaking of uh, segments, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking with the one and only biggest bitch on Bill Street. She is amazing. <laughs> she is so talented. And I love her so much. My beautiful drag mother, Miss Bella Duvall. Are you excited to dive into Bella? I am very, very excited to talk to Bella. Um, I haven't known her for very long, um, but the moment that I was introduced to the world of Bella, I, I, I bought it. I'm into it and I'm here for it. Really quick though, before we take a break, I told some people, y'all, we legitimately have fans, like people who are coming up to us and giving us love. Isn't it wild? I feel so it's... loved and appreciated. Uh, <laughs> right. And so we're going to so do something I... a little special. Yeah, I just want to shout them out. I'm just going to shout them out real quick. So I'm just going to oh, say okay. like their names. I'm going to say their names, give them a cute little moment for the pod. So uh, I just want to do a quick little thank you to Chloe, um, who came up to us and was, she was very, very nice. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to, what were their names? Vicky and Russ. And then there was another guy whose name was Jeff. They were very, very nice. And they came up to me and were like, we love the pod, keep doing it, blah, blah, blah. So thank you all for, for the support and keep listening. And I will say coming up and talking to us, it can be a little intimidating. So I'm glad that you all had the balls to do it. Being a queen has more to do with having balls. <laughs> to do what you weak fucks won't do. Speaking of balls, I'm going to go untuck mine and yes. we'll be right back. So enjoy the commercials. Give us some AdSense and smoke a blunt. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Get into it. 
If you're anything like us, you probably like to get a little stoned. And Bling by Foxy is here to help you get your fix. Bling by Foxy specializes in crystal customizations and luxury upcycling. Whether it's Chanel shoes, a gown, or even your favorite clutch, Bling by Foxy is here to give your fashion choices all of the sparkle they need. So if you need to commission someone to embellish your fashion with Bling and sparkle, contact Foxy Scamazon. You can contact Foxy on her Instagram at thefoxyscamazon. That's T-H-E-E Foxy Scamazon. Or you can find her on Instagram at Bling by Foxy. Links can be found in the description of this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back from that break. In case you have the brain of Miami and you forgot uh, who our guest is, we have such an incredible guest on today. I'm so excited to talk to them. We have the one, the only, the hostess of War of the Roses and the premier drag queen at Atomic Rose, Miss Bella Duvall. Hi, Bella. Hey there, y'all. Did somebody order a giant woman? <laughs> Never. No. <laughs> hey, is virtually. How are you, Diva? Oh, you know, just a normal day. Cleaning some drag, washing some stuff, working around the house, being lazy because it's not the weekend. Wait, people <laughs> clean their drag? Uh, <laughs> um, I wish I had the soundboard. I forgot to turn it on. I'm such an unprofessional bitch. You need a sound moment. effect for the look that Annalie and I just gave you. Right. Okay. Well, here it is. Wait. Let me. Um. That's so upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I just um, I forget to clean my drag often because I don't do it. I don't perform enough to like remember to clean my drag. Uh, but I just stripped all of my like undergarments, and let me tell you, that water was. It, it was, it was Miami's asshole. <laughs> yup. You pig. So, Miami, how do you feel about having your your drag mom on? This is such a surreal moment. I mean, who would have thought that we would be able to get such a celebrity like Bella Duvall all the way from Memphis onto the little podcast? I mean, who would have thought? Right. I we- love that y'all use the word celebrity so loosely here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, speaking of celebrities, you have really built yourself up into this brand. I want to know, how did you get your start into the world of drag? So my start came... Um, Originally through Shakespeare, actually, um, I was a founding member of Tennessee Shakespeare Company, and it's traditional in old Shakespeare that guys played all the roles. Females were not allowed on stage. It was considered the same as uh, being a harlot because they were selling themselves. So anyway, I got to play a couple of, of dress up like a lady roles, and it was actually in playing Puck which was not traditionally female, but uh, it was this transformative fairy role and this makeup and this hair. And I'm 10 minutes into my first scene and my mom is in the third row and she goes, that's my kid. And I didn't, you know, it was that, that I realized like how powerful, you know, this, this transformation of the, uh, the exterior could be. I had been watching Drag Race since season one. And that year, I believe was the year that Sharon won when this was all occurring. So like around, what was that, four? Season, um, season four. Season four. And that to me was this moment of, I think drag is for everyone. I don't think it's like this, this special curated little idea that I had, uh, I had decided that it was. And I think this is for everybody. And I had always wanted to try it. So I just jumped in, grabbed some dollar store cosmetics. And here we are nearly a decade later. and. She's 
she's still not really a woman. I, I think there's a lot of people who get started in drag because of like theater and stuff like that. Um, were you have, were you always a theater kid? Yeah, I started, I, my first play would have been when I was like six, you know, so all the way through school and stuff. And then I majored, my undergrad degree is in theater performance. And then I went on to do theater professionally for several years. So yeah, I've been on stage a lot. And I feel like a lot of that translates very directly to what I do now in drag. So theater isn't also like the only thing you've done. I've also heard through the grapevine, AKA you, that you've competed in a couple of pageants and you maybe even won like a couple big titles. So why don't you talk about your pageant journey a little bit? So uh, pageantry was never something that I really considered like part of my drag journey, but there was a promoter who, uh, who kept seeing me at shows and was like, I really want you to come out and try for this title. I really want, I want you to do this. I think you're an America girl. And at the time I knew nothing about pageants. And so I didn't know what that meant. And as I started to research and figure out what their, their system and their brand was about, I was like, oh, this does kind of align with me. And so I went out for uh, Miss Gay Tennessee and it was just kind of a wild shot. And I placed first alternate and was completely blown away. And then they told me, okay, so this means now you get to go on to nationals. And that was in, I think three and a half weeks. So I had less than a month to prepare for my first national pageant. I had no idea what I was doing. I've been doing drag for maybe a year at the time. So I was absolutely terrified. I showed up at that hotel with, you know, like 50 of the greatest female impersonators in the country or so I hear, and I'm freaking out having this horrible imposter syndrome, crying in my room, I just wanna leave and run away to Disney World. But, you know, I, I figured I'm just gonna do what I do, build, you know, the best that I can, and this will be an experience. And I placed seventh. I was in the top 10, and that's uh, not something that, that happens a lot for, uh, for first-time girls. And so it was kind of validating for me that I was like, hey, no, maybe, maybe I do belong here, and I can do this. And then I went back the next year, and I won this gay Tennessee. And then I said, that was so much fun, and I love this, and I've represented, and now I don't want to do pageants anymore because they're very expensive. Yeah, I, they're very expensive. Um, before we get into our topic, we have to address... Uh, War of the Roses, because we've been doing our War of the Roses review. Also, it's something that I know I'm obsessed with. I know Miami's obsessed with. You clearly love War of the Roses. I want to know a couple of things. So one, have you been listening to our review and what do you think about it? And then number two, what's that been like for you uh, of doing this, this competition in Memphis? Okay, so one, I do listen to the pod. I've listened to all the reviews. It's a doom for me. No, <laughs> no, I, I absolutely adore it. It's so much fun to hear other people's opinions, uh, you know, from the outside and to hear other people talking about it and treating it like it's a big deal, you know, because I think a lot of drag is what we prop it up to be. And so I've really appreciated all the attention and spotlight that y'all have shown upon the girls and the great work that they do. All right, what's the second part? I've already forgotten. Yeah, that's okay. I, I will say, uh, according to our statistics and our analyzing team, there is a listener in Germany, which is so odd. So uh, someone in Germany definitely knows a little bit about uh, War of the Roses. Love that. Yeah, I saw Miami come off mute. Miami, did you did you have something important to say? Or... Oh, I just, I honestly went blank. I forgot what I was going to say. We love it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was about, uh, oh, I remember what I was, was going to ask you. What has been your favorite moment from War of the Roses? I know there's been so many moments. There's been so many iconic 
so looks, many. iconic performances, but what is one moment that really stands out to you? Wow, okay. Um, the the one that, that came first to my mind was uh, Tiffany's This Is Me performance from the finale of season one, where she did the, the slurs written all over her, revealing down and doing beautiful. And I just, that it, it spoke to me, it moved me, it had so much power and it still lives rent-free in my mind. So I would have to say that that one was super iconic. Tiffany is so good. And here's the thing about Tiffany. Tiffany has come so far. For those of y'all that don't know, during season one, you know, Tiffany, when she started drag, I think her, her, what was it? Her second performance ever was at War of the Roses. She'd performed only once before. And to see her grow into basically doing it, I mean, she's doing it all the time now. She's performing everywhere. She's gotten so good at drag. It just makes me so happy to see her doing her thing. But she was great from the jump. She had me she had me shook the second she walked into the room I was like oh shit this little bitch did not come to play and she didn't she did it all the way to the end lip sync assassin and uh good for her we we salute you bitch the great thing about about war uh kind of like the same thing with pageantry is that anything anytime you enter into an arena that forces you to grow to push yourself to ask the hard questions like what is my brand how do I give them the best of me What's the greatest presentation I can give you if I only get to show you one thing? You know, it, and it really, it's, uh, it's like trial by fire. You know, we, we threw her into the deep end and, you know, she, she was completely consumed and then born from the ashes like a glorious phoenix. And you're totally right. The growth that she has exhibited in such a small amount of time, uh, it, takes, it takes many, many, many years for some girls to achieve that much. I'm glad that we are talking about Tiffany Minx. Um, actually, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the title of this episode will be This Is Not About Tiffany. Um, <laughs> Who's after uh, Tiffany? <laughs> um, I don't remember what my second question was, but I, I do have a final question about war. Uh, is there anything on the horizon for War of the Roses that maybe you could tell us? Is it continuing? Is it ending? It will not end until they make me stop. I will continue. You know, I've, I learned well from RuPaul. You just keep on spinning, keep on spinning. Um, we are looking forward to War of the Roses All-Stars. So I'm going to bring back some of the best girls to compete again. We're really hoping it'll be you know, a whole new uh, level of entertainment for the for the series. And then after that, we'll move right on into season four and get a new bouquet of roses in the garden and see what they have to offer. But I, I, I can't imagine stopping because it's the most compelling thing that I get to watch. You know, seeing all these entertainers bring their absolute A game is just, it's an absolute pleasure and it's super addictive. So now I will continue for as long as I got a place to do it. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, there is going to eventually be a War of the Roses Germany, and I cannot wait. <laughs> there's already um, a demand for it. There's a demand. There's a demand. We've got one listener in Germany. She better work. They better work. Oh, actually, speaking of she, they, him, us, we, them, um, today's episode, we are talking about the gender binary, how it imposes itself into the world of drag, and also just talking about the non, uh, non-binary, non look, we're talking about non-gender binary, all of these different things. Um, and so, Bella, could you tell us a little bit about what you know about this topic? I guess we'll just start, we'll talk about what non-binary is in case there are listeners that are not familiar. 
It simply means that your gender does not neatly fit entirely into the box labeled man or the box labeled woman. If, if those just don't describe how you feel and express, then you might be non-binary. That's kind of the, the long and the short of that. The way I say it on the mic is, I'm not a man, I'm not a woman, I am an experience. I would like to know, you know, you do experience life through the lens of a non-binary person. How did you discover that you were non-binary? How did your journey begin? I'm, I'm really curious to know how you came into, came into your non-binary. So drag absolutely helped me discover. Um, I have always strongly connected to the feminine. Uh, growing up, all of my heroes were She-Ra. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xena Warrior Princess. I wanted to play the female in all the video games, every RPG. And then I discovered drag. And, you know, like growing up queer in the South, you have to learn to suppress anything feminine as like a safety mechanism. And so drag was the first time that I allowed any of that stuff to live and have a place to be celebrated. And so it got me really asking the hard questions like, you know, this is an authentic part of me. Do I want to be a woman? Is this what, am I a woman? And resoundingly, I was like, no, no, I'm not. But it also helped me to see that I'm also not a man. I don't fit neatly into that. All of the gender roles that are wrapped up in it, I don't feel comfortable with and I don't identify with. And for the longest time, you know, I could find myself feeling extremely grateful that I live in a day and age where we have language like non-binary, you know, that people are normalizing uh, they, them pronouns and something outside of just the, the regular binary because otherwise I would have probably continued to just feel like I was a very effeminate guy or, you know, I don't know. I, I would have never known uh, that there are other people out there who felt the same as I did, who looked at those things and said, no, that's not me. I'm something besides that. I'm something different. And so discovering the label non-binary and doing some research, I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's, that's how I feel. And I'm not alone. Yeah. I, I love to hear this, like the way that you frame that, because um, I think sometimes we use the language of like the there's a new gender that's coming up. And it's not that it's new. It's just that we now have the language for it um, and we have to normalize that language so that we can recognize that like these are not these are not anything really new. This is just now like we're, we're at a point now where we can really start talking about them and accepting accepting people in a way that we just haven't because the language hasn't been there. Um, I would say that you're male presenting, um, and I'm I'm wondering how does that play out um, like in your day to day life? I, I I imagine there's a lot of misgendering that happens. What are those conversations like when that happens? Uh, I do think that most people just kind of accept. You know, they look at me and they think that's a guy, and so they use male pronouns. Um, and I, I, I excuse that to any stranger, you know, like, unless I'm wearing like a giant button or a sign that says they, them, you know, my pronouns are, then I don't expect people to know that. And even a lot of folks who are very forward thinking about gender are not going to open a conversation with a stranger with what are your pronouns? You know, it's like, it, it just doesn't come up. And so for a lot of folks, it's kind of like my sexuality. I don't feel the need to voice that to this lady at Kroger. You know, like you, you don't need to know that. I, I find that that's something I share more intimately, not like it's something I hide, but it's something that some people need to know about. You know, my friends, my family, people that I am continually around, I would like for them to understand how I feel about gender and the way that 
pronouns resonate with me. It matters coming from them. If somebody on the street says something, that, that doesn't really faze me. I, I get more upset when somebody that I love misgenders me. I, I identify as a male, um, but I know Miami, you also identify as non-binary. And I'm curious to know from you and, uh, and from, from Bella as well, like what's that been like? Um, do y'all have conversations about this or like how, how has that been? Absolutely. Um, you know, when Bella first asked me to be her drag child, um, it was really nice because getting to know Bella and getting to know you as a person, like you're the only other non-binary person that I knew for a hot minute. So uh, I, I think we definitely have that connection between us. Um, when I came out as non-binary, uh, it was hard. I don't think a lot of people in my life really understand it because most of the people in my life, you know, they only knew me through he, him pronouns and the people that knew me in the drag world, they always refer to me as like she, her. I've never really like been super vocal about it until more recently. So it's been, it's been definitely a journey, but I think the people that really matter in my life, they have come to like accept me and stuff, but yeah, it is definitely hard, especially not presenting super like, I don't want to say like androgynous because that's not what being non-binary it's, it's not androgynous it's something completely different um but since I don't present outwardly as someone who is both or neither male or female it can be really hard to be misgendered constantly you know what I mean especially around the holidays that's why I know recently on the pod I've talked about like I hate the holidays I hate being around everybody because it is constantly being referred to by my dead name and you know by pronouns that I do not align with at all so it's definitely hard. What about you, Bella? Is it, how's your experience been during the holidays? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy. I, uh, I don't connect with a lot of my extended family much anymore. We, we had a falling out a long time ago after my coming out. Um, but my immediate family, it was a little bit of a journey of understanding, you know, like anything else is. It was something that they didn't know much about, but my mom's been really good about learning. She's like, okay, now teach me, teach me how this singular they works. I don't have to change the verbs. Right. And, you know, it's just, it means so much to see her doing that work um, and trying and understanding that it means something to me and is important to me. And um, I completely agree that it is important that, that, you know, like Miami and I have each other to talk to about this and to resonate with, because it's really hard to be trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, anything that's outside of the norm on your own. You know, it's the same thing I tell queer people. If, if your family doesn't accept you, you've got to find your tribe. I think it's so important that we find our tribe and our little support group and the people that understand what we're going through. Because if you've never felt what it, what it feels like to be misgendered, if someone's never hit you with a pronoun that you're just like, oh my God, oh no, oh, that's, that's so wrong, then you just don't understand it. And so it's easier for me to, to talk to Miami about that because Miami knows they, they have been there. They're there all the time. They bought a house there, you know, so. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It has been really nice to be able to like confide in someone else, the feelings that, you know, like even going to like the grocery store and people are like, how are you today, sir? It's like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just like such a, sometimes it catches me off guard because being around you know, working full-time as a drag queen, being in the scene constantly around queer people, like they get it, they understand the struggle and the stories that we've had. 
but then going out into like the real world like the cis straight world and being out in that environment for more than an hour I'm like bro I gotta go home like this is too much um I do want to know for the kids out there listening if there's anyone out there that uh is you know struggling with their identity maybe they think they might be non-binary what would you tell them do you have any advice for for those kids uh, to me it's all about getting out there and doing a little research and that doesn't just mean like hopping online and and finding out how other people think but it's also a lot of soul search you know it's about really figuring out how do i feel and not letting anybody else define that because you know your truth in a way far deeper than any other person can ever know it. And for me, it was, it was getting out there and being like, okay, this is authentically how I feel. And then reaching out into the world and being like, there are other people who authentically feel this way. And so for me, finding out and feeling like I was not alone, it's the same as when you come out as a queer person and suddenly this secret shame that you've been holding on to and thinking I'm the only one I'm the only person like this goes away and it makes everything a lot easier to deal with yeah and I would like to say also for anybody listening that may you know be struggling with your identity you're really unsure about it feel free to reach out to me I'm on Instagram I'm sure you can also reach out to Bella or Annalie like we are all here we are a community and we have to stick out and and look out for each other. So, I mean, seriously, if you need someone to confide in, talk to, message me, I am literally always online. So just shoot us a message. We will hopefully be able to help you with whatever you're trying to figure out. Well, speaking of being alone, uh, we are gonna let everyone sit in their loneliness and in their thoughts during this break. And when we come back, we're going to be answering some listener questions. I'm so excited. Uh, We just got a new batch of questions, and these questions are super, super fun. Um, So um, we will be right back. I know this club where everybody goes because they always turn to sickness drag shows. And just so everybody knows, the best place to party is Atomic Rose. Atomic Rose is the place to be every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. On Friday, Bella's a Ball kicks off the weekend in the Rose Garden at 10 p.m. The dance floor opens at 12 a.m. Then on Saturday, comes the a drag show extravaganza that includes three rounds of entertainment in Duval Room at 10 p.m. The dance floor opens at 12 a.m. And round out your weekend on Sunday. It's a rainbow brunch show with Bella DeBall at 12.30. Enjoy a full brunch menu by an award-winning chef starting at 11 a.m. Then join Patio Furniture as she takes over at 2 p.m. for Bingo with Patio. Not to mention, Atomic Rose has a great selection of drinks, delicious food, captivating performances, a live twerk contest with prizes, as well as so much more. Make sure you're following them on Facebook and Instagram at Atomic Rose Memphis for all of the latest updates. Atomic Rose is fun for everyone. And at the end of every show, you'll leave with just one question. Are you not entertained? All right, guys, welcome back from the break. What did, not we, guys. What did we do during the Not break? guys. Wow. Guys, gals, okay. and non-binary pals. Wow, okay, I'm being clocked in my own pod, okay. Um. <laughs> That's why you just gotta use y'all. I love y'all. Thank you, Paula Dean. Um, 
Speaking of speaking of Paula Dean, we are about to churn out these questions like she churns <laughs> butter. So, Annalie, do you want to get into this to get into this first question? Yeah. So, y'all, this is like uh, this is a legit question that's that was asked on the survey, and it's actually perfect for our conversation today. A nice little segue. So, the first question reads: How do you feel about the announcement of there being a cishet drag queen on RuPaul's Drag Race? It is a little bit of a touchy subject right now. Uh, there's there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of opposing views out there about is this okay or whatever. So I'm curious to hear from all three of us. Uh, how do y'all feel about this? I think it's ridiculous that people are so pressed about it because it is to me. This is exactly what we're talking about by by setting those rules and saying that drag is only for gay men or. Uh, trans women or any particular box it destroyed I mean, like the whole art of drag is about fucking the gender binary like it's literally about like laughing in the face of gender norms and so for somebody to come in and try and gatekeep because of the way that maddie identifies outside of drag is is hypocrisy maybe is, is right is that, is that hypocritical right no, I agree. And the thing is, too, you know, with Maddie being a straight male on Drag Race, he's getting flack not only from the straight community, but from the gay community as well. And it's mm-hmm. really nasty and disgusting what all these people are saying about about Maddie. It just makes me really sad. You know, I know Maddie. I know I think all three of us have worked with Maddie or been around Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Maddie is super talented. Maddie has the drive to be on Drag Race and to do the damn thing. His art is really, really good. I just, I don't understand why there's such a, such a big uproar about having him on the show. I saw a statistic that was like, if y'all are saying that straight people are dominating this like Drag Race, he has literally taken up less than 1% of the casting spot on the show like because I've, I've seen this big uproar where it's like Maddie took up a spot that a queer person could have which I get I mean queer people are not included in the media as much as they should be that's that is a fact but in terms of drag race his spot takes up less than one percent of the total casting like ever so it just I don't know it doesn't make sense to me I'm happy for my friends and uh, I think everyone should be supporting all types of drag because that's what's what the fuck is the point if we can't support everyone? You know what I mean? What do you think, Annalie? Yeah, I, I, I have these ideas in my mind, and I hope I articulate them as best as I can. So, um, the 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 first thing, and like, which is like my main feeling about this, is like one, get the fuck over it. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I've heard for so long, like this idea of toxic masculinity and why can't straight males like play with this idea of gender and like, why can't they, why can't they, why can't they, why can't they? And here we have the thing that people have been asking for, which is a heterosexual male playing with gender and having fun and celebrating and being an ally and being in the community and supporting the community. Like we have that. And so I just don't get like, why are we mad about it when this is one of the things that we want? We want people to fuck, like we don't care about what people identify as. We want people to just have fun and to celebrate and to be happy and to be together. And like, this is a moment where that's happening and I just hate that there's hate around it. On the opposite end of that, I do hear the argument of 
it's been difficult it, on the outside. We don't really know. I'm not a part of like the production. I don't know. I've, I've only read headlines about what RuPaul has said, but there has been some difficulty and been some tension around who is able to be on the show because of their gender identity. And so now there's this heterosexual male and like, why can't there be a bearded drag queen on the show? Why has, why has it taken so long for there to be an openly trans woman on? Why hasn't there been a, uh, an AFAB queen on? So like, I hear all of that. And to that, I would say that is an issue. That's a systemic problem. It is not an issue of Maddie per se. It is an issue of the machine. And so rather than exerting all of our anger and our hate towards that, towards Maddie, why can't we exert our energy to fixing that? And fixing it is not let's attack this person and make them feel shitty about themselves. So I don't know. Th- those are kind of like the ideas that I have. And again, I hope I've articulated them well, but that's what's in my yeah. mind. I think you got it out really well. And I'd also like to say shout out to the two trans women of color that are also on this season because, you know, we've all, I think the majority of Drag Race fans have shit on the show for not being very inclusive, but I will say they have made some huge strides in the past couple of, of seasons and the past couple of casting cycles that they've had. It just makes me really happy to see them really listening to the fan base and listening to the people who genuinely care about our community because I think at the end of the day, Drag Race is this thing that a lot of straight people see. It's a very mainstream look into the world of gay people and queer culture. And I think it's a great thing to have representation in every single way we can get it. So I just, I have to applaud Drag Race for putting on trans women of color and honestly, for putting on a straight cis man, because at the end of the day, this is going to hopefully break down some barriers that need to be broken down. What's crazy is that this is not revolutionary. Before Drag Race, the majority of drag that we saw in the mainstream media was from straight men. Yeah, Straight men were the only ones who were dressing up in drag and doing you know, the Eddie Murphy, the Robin Williams, I mean, like so many roles, so many people that became like hella famous just doing drag. So we're reclaiming it, just being as queer people. And Maddie is actually a representation of a really long, proud lineage of the history of drag as well. Exactly. So for anybody that's mad, um, go yell at the uh, Wayne brothers. I'm mad. Doing white chicks. Um, just speaking of dying mad, let's hop into this next question because this is going to piss me off. All right. This question reads, if your social security number was the amount of money in your bank account, how much money would you have? <laughs> who, so is, who is so trying to A lot scam more us? than I have right now. Right. I was going to say, bitch, uh, about, I don't even know, how many numbers are on a social security card? Seven? 10? I is don't it know. 10? It's wait. Nine. It's a nine. nine digit. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh it would be one 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 one, which would still be so much more money that I could even fathom. Like I yeah, wish my how about I'll I'll save you the time if you're trying to steal somebody's identity to get some money. Look elsewhere. Don't try for drag queens. We are broke as shit. Right. Sick to say, I have a couple coupons in my car you can have, but that's about it. Yeah, I don't know. Bitch, 
Well, we're gonna keep um, we're gonna keep in the theme of numbers. Here's the next question: How many hoes does Santa have? <laughs> Who sent in these questions? I don't know. Um, this one in particular, I have zero clue. I have no idea. How many hoes does Santa have? He has three hoes. They're all sitting right here. Ooh, can I be hoe number two? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, bitch, this is so fucking stupid. Okay, I'll get into the last question. This one seems serious. This is a good uh, one. If you were to form a house, what would you want it to be known for? Turning looks, standing, oh, I said standing, stunting pretty, a nice family. What do y'all think? I have always believed, just like as a person, not just in drag, that uh, if I can leave the world a little bit better than how I found it, then I've done my job. So I always just want to be remembered for being kind or being nice. I feel like in the world of drag, it's a rarity to find genuinely kind people. And so I, I try and instill that in my children. Let's be nice, ladies. <laughs> um, but the thing that actually drew me to both Miami and Tiffany uh, is courage. I, I would say courage is a big hallmark for me. And if y'all don't know, listeners, the difference between courage and bravery being brave means that you are not afraid. Being courageous means that you are afraid and you do it anyway. And I have seen both these ladies rise and conquer their fears in such amazing ways. So I would say kindness and courage. Period. Um, well, for those of y'all that don't know, I am already in a house. Um, I think our house is known for talent. I mean, look at us. We are so talented. <laughs> um, and being humble, of course. Um, I think definitely this, you know, it says, do we turn looks and stunt pretty? I think we do definitely turn looks. I mean, look at our Instagrams. Bella's always popping off. I, we just did the review for War of the Roses. And uh, during the finale, we reviewed Bella's looks. If you haven't listened to that, please go and listen. It's super sickening. Um, but spoiler alert, we couldn't boot any of them. They're also there was good. no doom. Um, there was no doom. I was so disappointed. We couldn't. We and I was like, I this wasn't in the episode. We edited it out, but I was like, Miami, we have like we have to try to doom one, and we just couldn't. We legitimately could not. Like, where's the flaw? Next, where time, is the flaw? Show you later. For all stars, just wear like eight ugly looks in a row. Can I borrow some? If you need to borrow some drag, I have some I have some ugly shit you can wear, bitch. <laughs> we know I ain't gonna fit none of your drag. We can yeah, we can we can make a dress. We can make something. Yeah, just take like two of yours, open the scene. <laughs> so together, together. We're gonna pull a, a a Mary Gags when she wore that half and half gown. Except Ooh. it will be terribly made because I can't sew. Stunting pretty. None of us are stunt queens. Um Tiffany's just kind of a stunt queen a little bit. I mean, she can like do more than I can. Excuse me. I've done a half split before. Okay. Oh, Annalie. Thank wait, you. I, forgot, I forgot. Wait. So like, how would you describe this is, I, you know what? Fuck this question because I'm going to take it on my own. I want to know, how would you describe your, uh, your situation that you're in? Cause I know you have a, a drag husband slash wife. Um, do y'all consider y'all a house like are y'all a drag family or are you like bitch stay the fuck away from me um look pretty much i'm always with anyone i'm like please leave me alone um but we don't have we would not consider like a legitimate like drag house we have 
played with the language of like, we're the house of crass because we like to be crassy and silly and goofy. I also do have a drag daughter, uh, Miss Bayfame Duchesne. I will say I'm not a very good drag mom. I didn't want to be a mom, to be honest. I'm not a good parent at all, uh, but it is what it is. And I really love Bay. She's so, she's such a kind and nice person. Um, honestly, not representative of a true Duchesne. Um, but if I had to form a house, what would I want to be known for? Maybe maybe I need to reconnect with Bay. actually. Maybe this is my calling for that. Um, but if I were to form a house that I want to be known for, I feel like I really like being known personally, like for being witty and comedic. And I would really want that to somehow be one of the things that like we're known for is we're witty, we're smart, we're funny. Um, and we're always there to have like a good time. And, you know, the, the prettiness will come, I feel like. Right. Well, we got to change the pod name. So are we witty? Um, <laughs> stupid. Speaking of being witty, uh, this is the end of the pod. Uh, Bella, do you have anything that you want to say before before you head on out? Oh, goodness. Well, uh, I mean, you know, whenever this airs, hopefully we'll still be doing what we do. So come see me in Miami Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Sunday at the Atomic Rose. Um, you can follow me on social media if you want to keep your eye on the ball. I, I try and post things every now and again. So if you want to see me wear the same looks over and over and over again, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Period. Well, when the looks are uh, as expensive looking as yours, we won't blame you. Uh, you guys can direct all your shame towards me because all my stuff is thrifted and I have no excuse to rewear it. Um, well, guys, this is the end of the pod. Thank you so much for listening to Bella. Thank you so much for being on the pod. We appreciate you so much coming on and just spilling your truth with us. I had so much fun with you. Annalie, is there anything you want to say before we uh, send this bitch off? Yes, I, I do. Thanks so much for being here, Bill. I really do appreciate it. And also thank you for welcoming uh, me into Atomic Rose. I really love the venue. I love the shows there. Um, I'm really glad that I was able to showcase uh, me uh, during War of the Roses. And, you know, I still get to perform every now and then during the weekends when I've got the time. So just thank you for being so welcoming. And um, yeah, thank you for being on the pod. I'm so excited. Y'all are so very welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for continuing to share your incredible talents on my stage. Well, love y'all the, dolls the, dolls. <laughs> the dolls are the dolls. The dolls are the dolls. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. I had so much fun today. Remember, if you want to send us questions, you can send those into the email. The link and everything is at, well, it's in the description but also listen all the way to the end of the pod all the information is there have a lovely day don't be homophobic send some love to your non-binary friends and we will see you guys next week bye oh my god rachel has a flamethrower run thank you for listening to are we pretty with Annalie and Miami. If you would like to send in Q&A questions or to contact us, send us an email at arewepruitypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow Miami on Instagram at Miami, And you can follow Annalie on Instagram at Dreams. The music featured in the intro and outro is produced by Evans Beats. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon. Stay, Stay pretty. pretty.